Welcome back to another Inside the U podcast. Be sure to visit InsideTheU.com. Follow us on Twitter at InsideTheU. Or you can email us InsideTheUPodcast at gmail.com. This is Christopher Stock, and I'm here with David Lake. David, how's it going? Good. Dis- I'm doing well, but disappointing loss by the Hurricanes. Uh, 34-23 last night. Um, very disappointing when, you know, you just... You figured this coaching staff, this team, has a bye week to prepare for Cincinnati. They saw the team last year. You would think they would have a very good idea about what they're getting into and and kind of what they're going to see, what they could do well against Cincinnati. And it is just a very blah game. And, uh, you know, definitely not what, what we wanted to see from Miami last night. Yeah, they definitely struggled, obviously. I mean, they got the loss and, and struggled in so many different ways. And then in the fourth quarter with the coaching errors there. Uh, all, all these things led to a loss. And, and the big thing that, you know, that you're kind of seeing today, you know, the day after the game and, and seeing from fans, you know, fans are, are completely upset and disappointed and frustrated. And, you know, it's it's almost like re, they're revisiting what they went through last year for most of the year going six and seven. And, you know, you're going into a new season. And I know fans saw that, you know, they, they're missing so many key guys from last year, but you're, they were just hoping that this year they were turning the corner, year five under Al Golden, and you want to see uh, changes, you want to see improvement, and you know fans aren't you know losing to Cincinnati in the way that they did. You know that's not you know people understand the Florida State and the Clemson's are just better right now, um, but but Cincinnati, most people are viewing that as an equal or or Miami being better, and and to lose that game in the fashion that they did, fans are having a hard time with it, and I can't blame them. I, I, I get frustrated when I see media people or other people, you know, criticizing the fans for for the way that they're thinking. I just don't. I don't think that's a, that's right. I think the fans are feeling the way that they do because they've seen it for four years, four years plus, and things are adding up. You know, it's not just, you know, it's like with the Nebraska game. It wasn't just that fourth quarter. You know, it was everything before that. You know, the seven losses the year before, the twenty-two in the four year. You know, everything's adding up, and, and that's what you're seeing now. And I think that's. How fans are feeling? Everything's adding up, and doesn't feel like anything's going uh, in the positive direction. Yeah, I mean it's piling up. So, I mean against real like against non-FCS opponents, Al Golden is now twenty-six and twenty-three at Miami. That's not good enough. That's not good enough at Miami. That's not good enough at most schools. So, I certainly understand where the fans are coming from. Um, you know, and the banners. Yeah, it sucks for Al Golden, but. To be honest, that's that's the best way to voice an opinion by the fan base. It gets a lot of attention. It kind of lets it it puts pressure on the administration that this is not good enough right now. Yeah, it's it's not good enough. And you mentioned it. it it's not the it's not the high standards at Miami. You know, I, I hear the TV announcers say that all the time, and and that's what, how people want to view things when they criticize the fan base. Oh, it's high standards at Miami. Well. You know things you mentioned. That that's not high. Sta- it's not high standards to expect a team to win a division or or win yeah. a bowl game or win ten games from here and the, here. You know from time to time. You know I they haven't even got. We haven't even started getting into the seeing fans have high expectations and things like that. Yeah. I, I think these are all just you know things you're expected to do at a good program. I, I don't think it's they haven't reached expectations yet. Not and, and I don't even think it's it's high expectations right now at all. I, I think it's fair for the fans to expect Miami to beat that Cincinnati team last night. I mean, that Cincinnati team was not it's it's an above average team. They have a good offense. 
and their defense is terrible. And Miami's offense could not find success against that terrible defense. So, and and that this has been a recurring thing for for Miami during the Al Golden era. For whatever reason, Miami seems to p- always play down to their opponents under Al Golden, and it's frustrating to watch. I just think part of that is, you know, that's what average teams do, David. I, I just think, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, oh, they didn't get blown out a lot. Well, you know, that's not, uh, that's hard to do in college football. You don't see, you know, you play close enough, but you lose. You know, I just think average teams, the things that you're saying and things that they've been doing, I, I just think that that's what average teams do. And they win some, they look good, they're inconsistent, you know, inconsistency. Well, that's what average teams do. That's what average players do. They're inconsistent. You know, we that that's that's why you're average. You know, I just think that the the things that you're hearing or the things that people are saying, I just think, you know, it's not an exception. It's just more of that's just the way it is in the sense of like that's where they are right now as a program. So I want to get into the game a little bit now, I guess. Um, you know, let, let's start with the offense. I think, you know, going into this game, everyone everyone saw last Thursday what Cincinnati's defense is, and it's not very good. And, I mean, we even saw it last year when, when Miami beat Cincinnati at home at, in Miami. So, I mean, we all knew this Cincinnati defense is not very good. I mean, they ranked in the bottom third of most of the defensive categories nationally. And so everyone expected, you know, Miami's offense to certainly have a big game. And we didn't see that. Uh, I guess two things I want to touch on just to start here with the offense. I was kind of surprised by by kind of their use of personnel. Um, two guy, I mean, Joe Yearby had another 100-yard game, had another solid outing. One thing... I think that was a little interesting was how, you know, come the fourth quarter, Joe Yearby's having, he's in the middle of having a a very good game and the offense just didn't ride him. Uh, They they substituted him out for Mark Walton uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, They gave Mark Walton a lot of opportunities. I mean, if you look at the carries, Joe Yearby has 17 carries for 113 yards Mark Walton has 12 carries for 34 yards. I think the way that game was going, you just got to realize, okay, this is going to be a game where Joe Yearby has 20 to 25 carries, and we got to go with our hot hand, go with the guy who's clearly been the best running back this season um, in Joe Yearby. And so, I mean, that's just one minor thing that that I kind of noticed. I mean, I don't know if you kind of feel the same way about that, Chris. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, Mark, I've talked about it in the previous part, podcast you know Mark Walton's just not at the level he needs to be at right now he's just not I mean the the facts back it up is three straight games when they've played FBS opponents and he's averaging three yards and under a carry and it's just not good enough you know on the season Yearby has eight more carries than Walton but 240 more yards I I don't think there's any question that Yearby's better than Walton and in my opinion uh, Walton shouldn't be getting as many carries as he is in terms of you've got Trayon Gray on the bench and reserve you know Trayon you mentioned Walton got 12 carries you know, Trayon didn't have any, so I, I think it's you've got to get him involved, and and I don't think that there's any question that there's a possibility or or things that you've seen that Trayon's better. Uh, you know, just because Mark hasn't proved it, you know, and this yeah. you're going on three games against a good opponent, and I, and I don't understand that. I don't like that mentality of, you know, just continuing to stick with the guy, and and Mark's obviously a big name because he was a big recruit and all that stuff, and I I don't like the mentality, and I think we've seen that in previous coaching regimes of just 
you know, just that uh, that they're going to kind of stick with the name, stick with the guy, and and not change their their impressions of players. And I, I think this is a perfect example of that. And and hopefully, you know, maybe maybe it takes another game, or maybe it was this game, and and maybe it's time to move on. But uh, and, you know, and Mark again, true freshman, we know all that. But the bottom line is, you know, when you're out there playing a game, it doesn't say true freshman on the back of your jersey. You know, so no. it, it doesn't matter when it comes to that. That's just where he's at as a player right now. Yeah, I just think it's time to to go with Yerby just as the guy. I mean, we saw Miami pretty much did that last year with Duke. I mean, Duke was the guy in close games. Or, you know, he's the guy. So it's just time to to make Joe Yerby that guy. Time to ride him out. Another thing with offense, I know you tracked this a little closer than I did, I think, was uh, the targets for passing. And I thought it was very interesting just how, I mean, it took a while for for Miami to even kind of get Rashawn Scott, Miami's best receiver, involved. Um, You know, they, they certainly targeted Tyree Brady a bunch in the first half, which I was very surprised by. I mean, Tyree... You know, he he did about as well as you could expect Tyree Brady to do. He had a few drops, but he also, you know, he he made some catches, uh, 50 yards or so. Uh, You know, moving forward against a a secondary that, a Cincinnati secondary that's been really bad, you would expect Miami would make a point to involve their best receiver, Rashawn Scott. Yeah, definitely. And the targets, the way it played out through the, you know, throughout the game, you know, Brady and Scott actually ended up with eight targets and Herb Waters was six, you know, so, you know, Brady was up there. But again, a lot of those were late with Scott and you got to get him more involved. And you saw one of those throws that Brad Kaya made. And I thought, you know, it was a good throw, but I thought it was an amazing catch by Rashawn there on the sideline to get the first down. Um, He clearly wasn't open per se, uh, but he made a play. And I I thought you should, you got to do that with your better players, you know, um, that's not their mentality. They they want to throw to who's open, but I, I have a hard time believing that Rashawn just wasn't open throughout the whole game. We talk about how much Cincinnati struggled on defense, so I think I, I just thought you know Rashawn's a guy that makes more plays than Tyree, but they were kept going to Tyree um, and Herb's the same way. You got to throw the ball. The one thing with the offense too that you know kind of you're watching them play and they they don't. And this is why I was concerned going into the game. I know we had a difference of opinions on what we thought the game how the game would go or turn out but uh, Miami Miami as an offense we talk so much as a defense about how they don't attack and they sit back but I think as an offense and I think last night was a perfect example it was clear that their offense was going to need to put up either big numbers or get into a shootout or at least have that mentality of throwing the ball around making big plays and and whatnot and you just didn't see that near enough and it just seemed too conservative for the game that they were in and and it's definitely a concern in the sense that this is what we've seen from Miami's team and in, in, in bigger games or, or against better teams and and it just seemed like they didn't attack enough and didn't seem to have that mentality that they need to have and uh you know and obviously the results weren't there uh, not just the mentality yeah I agree and another another issue with the offense that popped up again this week was a uh, third down why are they yeah. so bad well I don't know I mean I think I do think there was some offensive line issues that popped up uh, this game. I think Brad Brad didn't have much time to uh, to get his throws off. Um, you know, they were four of fifteen last night. I would say it just seems like everything kind of gets sped up on third down, and Miami doesn't know how to handle that. I think it seems like Kaya 
gets a little jittery. The receivers tend to drop more of their third down passes. I mean, it's it's interesting to watch because, I mean, it definitely always seems to go wrong on third down. And again, for the second straight week, I mean, Miami scored, Miami only scores two touchdowns, right? And um, on both those touchdowns, they needed big plays to get touchdowns on those drives. So the first touchdown, you had the Herb Waters pass to Mark Walton. They already had great field position, but that made it an easy touchdown to get. Um, and then the second touchdown drive, they had the David Joku 40-yard pass to get it down inside you know, inside the five-yard line for an easy touchdown again. So, you know, Miami has shown, for whatever reason, that they cannot... They cannot score touchdowns on these long drives that, you know, you you got to convert a bunch of third downs on. And that's certainly a concern as Miami starts their ACC schedule this week. And, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it has to go on Brad Kaya. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. It, it goes on Brad. I mean, Brad's the one to control. And most of the time, they're throwing the ball during those situations. And if you look at his passing numbers, you know, he was 9 for 27 at one point during the season just on passing on third downs, I haven't seen the updated stats, but yeah, Brad, Brad seems to struggle. He seems to lock in on his receiver. Uh, I kind of noticed that last night, um, and, yeah. and kind of force it, and and guys aren't getting enough separation, or he's going to the wrong guy in terms of just who's, you know, some of the stuff like Dobard, for example. I, I just don't think he's a guy that beats his guy uh, consistently enough one on one in one on one situations like you see on third down, and yet you know he becomes a, a target on third down. I just don't think that's where the ball needs to be going. Um, because I don't think Standish is good enough to beat this guy consistently enough. Uh, you know, I like to see again. You know, with Rashawn and Herb, those are the guys. Or if you got a slot guy, or or maybe the routes aren't being creative enough. But it just seems like Brad gets locked in, like you said, a little jittery. And this isn't just a, a four-game sample size. This is you know yeah. dating back to last year. And and we started from last year when we talk about stats. But you know they were they were they weren't very good the year before. You know so yeah. Um, it's been a struggle, and you mentioned how bad four for fifteen was, but percentage-wise, that's actually better than what they were coming into the game. That's how bad it's been. Sure, they were second to second to last in the country, and I think when you talk about third downs from last night, you know, you just can't get over what in the heck they were thinking. Third and six, David, with nine minutes to go, it's third and six, and they call a timeout. Yeah, and then they come out. They're down seven. Third and six there. Uh, you know, inside the red zone, and they come out and they do a run play. I don't know if you've seen, um, you, you just don't see that very often. It was just, it just seemed like, a, I mean, it was. It was a terrible call and terrible decision to, to and, and you talked about before we started the podcast why you think they went for, for a yeah. run there. So to me, it seemed like a direct reaction to what happened against Nebraska. So Miami was in a similar situation, you know, third and, it was about like third and eight, I think. Uh, at in early in the fourth quarter against Nebraska, you know, at that point Miami had a comfortable lead, and uh, so in that play, Brad Kaya threw a pass, you know, corner route to Standish Dobard, and it ended up being intercepted by Nebraska. And Golden said multiple times following that game that he wishes he just played it safe, ran the ball. You know, if they don't get in, you kick the field goal and take the three points. So to me, that seemed like kind of that's what Golden was going to do in this situation. He just wanted to play it safe, didn't want to take the risk and maybe throw an interception again inside the red zone. And so he ran the ball. 
the biggest difference between those two games is, you know, that does make sense against Nebraska because you have a 23-point lead at the time. Whereas, you know, in this Cincinnati game, you're losing. So you you gotta you got to score the touchdown. Um, and so, again, Golden played it safe, ran the ball on third and six, and they ended up kicking the field goal. And, you know, it, it just proved you got to score touchdowns now in college football. Getting field goals in the red zone is almost like a loss. And that's been another, like, besides the third down issues, that's been another issue with this offense this year is when they get in the red zone, they're kicking far too many field goals. Yeah, it was awful against Nebraska. They were two for eight when they got in, and the first two were, were touchdowns. So uh, you, you see the stats so often. We see uh, the conversions in the, in the red zone, and, but they, they take into consideration field goals and touchdowns. But the, the stat, again, the stat, like you mentioned, the stat you want to look at is you know, what's their touchdown percentage. And it's not been very good this year, and, and, and certainly it caught up to them against Cincinnati. Yeah, and then following up just later in the fourth quarter, so, you know, Miami has it down again in the red zone. Um, they're down 34-23. You know, they're not able to get it in. Uh, they're inside the 10. There's four minutes left in the game, four minutes and change. Uh, and Al Golden decides to go for it rather than at this point, you got to take the field goal. You got to take points. It puts you down eight points. It it extends the game. It le- you know you you still have a chance if you if you kick a field goal. Uh, I for the life of me can't understand why why Golden would go for it there. Uh, I guess do you have any thoughts on that? Why? Well, why- no, it was just a just just a bad decision. You know, just again another bad decision in the fourth quarter that you know, and who knows how it would have ended up. But you at least got to give your team a chance. And and the thing that I didn't understand was again. So you're you're inside the ten there. When you decide to go for it, you just saw Brad Kaya throw two terrible passes uh, to get to a fourth down. So I don't know why he felt so confident that, like, yeah, let, let's let's go for it here on fourth down. You know, I, I don't understand. You saw, I mean, Brad was missing his guy. I mean, they were pretty bad. How bad he was missing his two receivers there on those throws, and and then you throw it in. And I don't know. You know, it, it's not something he talked about after the game, but I, I don't know if it's something afterwards, like where he thought like, oh, oh no, I, I should have kicked the field goal there. I don't know what I was thinking. So maybe it was, maybe that's what he was thinking. But it just, yeah, obviously you'd rather go touchdown field goal, you know, in that order, yeah. you know, to get closer. But, you know, you see it all the time in football. If you go the other way, if you go backwards with it, then you do, you know. So you, that's where you kick your field goal. You give yourself a chance and you still had four minutes to go. That, you know, it's funny. He was asked earlier about the drive that that we talked about just a second ago. And he said, you know, I trusted the defense. They were playing well at that time and all these things about that drive. And it just seemed like, that. well, that was a perfect time to have that mentality, right or wrong. Yeah. But the, that mentality of being confident in your defense, that's when you need to have confidence in your defense, five minutes ago in the game. And then we, we saw what happened with the defense there in the fourth quarter too. But, yeah, two, two bad decisions, and it just added up to a game that, that again, more disappointment, and, and it's hard to – it's hard for fans to continue to back what they're what they're seeing, and and rightfully so. I don't think, again, I don't think that the fans are out of line for thinking the way that they think. Yeah, it was just it's interesting because he was he was passive when he should have been aggressive early in the fourth quarter, and then late in the fourth quarter he was aggressive when he should have been a little more conservative and just taken the points and kicked the field goal, and then you know maybe you get a stop at that point, and and you know who knows what happens then. It's hard. So, it's hard watching it because both of these decisions seems like football one on one. You know, you're yeah. you're not talking about complex decisions. You're talking about 
basic football and and uh you know to, to you know, and and then when you when you make these decisions and you lose, these are the things that add up. And again, you don't get a you don't get to redo the Cincinnati game. You know, college football, you know, the games are you know your season's not that many games, and you can't you can't afford for for mistakes like this. And again, there were there were other issues. This isn't why they lost. It just added to the loss. So, yeah. um, it, it just you know we talk. It's like when we talk about when some of the things we might be critical of when they win. Well, it's because that there's signs that uh, that could catch up with you later on down the season. I think. That's these are things that you're seeing uh, when we talk about when we evaluate things. I think this was an example of things kind of catching up to them, and you can't you can't do things wrong and, and make bad decisions and expect uh, positive results. So sticking in the fourth quarter, um, let's talk about the defense now. Uh, you know, it wasn't as dramatic of a collapse as we saw against Nebraska, of course, but. I still feel like the defense collapsed in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, it, it's a different situation, different scenario, but still, defense—you you have to get stops. Uh, you allow a 52-yard pass play to Mikhail McKay that sets up a Cincinnati touchdown that that event you know proves to put the game out of reach, and then also you know Cincinnati gets the ball with four minutes and and 41 seconds left in the game and Miami can't get a stop and all Cincinnati does is run the ball I mean they're just running the clock out and so it's disappointing to see Cincinnati a finesse team finesse offense just kind of maul you at the end of the game Um, Chris I don't know I mean do you feel like it's a physical thing with this defense collapsing in the fourth quarter is it a mental thing is it just the players aren't good enough uh, I, I think it's I mean I think it's a both but I, I just think you know players make plays you know they don't have enough difference makers on their defense they just don't and it, and I just think a, you know a game is four quarters and eventually you know you've got to have playmakers especially in the fourth quarter that's when everything is uh, magnified is that fourth quarter and and they don't have the guys that they need to have and, and they don't have a scheme that they need to have and and then you see these results that aren't what you're looking for so I think it's a combination of things uh, we've talked about you know, a variety of things of, of what it might be, but I just think it comes down to, you know, the the guys aren't, you know, and maybe they are a little deflated at times, but for whatever reason, you know, the coaches have to get the most out of them and, and they're struggling in the fourth quarter. You mentioned that 52-yard play. I mean, you watch that over again and Cornelder just gets, I mean, he yeah. just gets torn. I mean, we're talking beat Bad. off the line within a yard and a half off the line of scrimmage and it's over you know i mean yeah uh, two yard or what you know and uh you know they get 52 but it could have could as well have been a, a full touchdown there you know um but yeah he, you can't get be like that know who you're going against we talked about mckay before the before the game he's a big play guy big size so you can't be surprised by that if you're corn uh i i don't know what corn was thinking he just got beat real bad off the line and, and it became costly but so, the, so, and that's after, you know, Miami pulls 27-23, you allow the 52-yarder, uh, and again, after that, right, the, the play after, it's a 17-yard run, you know, just yeah. Miami defense, letting it go, you know, just, they're, they're, they're lacking a... Uh, and the thing is, too, this Cincinnati offense hasn't really been running the ball that great. I mean, it's not a running team at all, but they're finishing them off with the running game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and then the, that touchdown there to, to really seal the game when... To Tyler Cogswell, we remember him when he was a quarterback in American Heritage. You know the seven-yarder. I mean, you look at that play, and the crazy was the crazy part was Hayden Moore actually threw to the wrong guy. I mean, there's a guy wide open in the end zone. Yeah, it would have been much easier than that diving attempt that that Tyler had. Yeah, you look at that play, and that's Jawan Young. 
uh, not read, not being in the right spot because he at least he shouldn't have been where he was, and he should have at least been in the end zone if he wasn't covering this guy. And then Tyreek McCord late on a reaction. You watch the play and, and you see what Tyler's doing. They send a, a guy in motion to send across the line of scrimmage. Miami's obviously not, you know, they're not taking that, so they're sitting back on their zone. And you you see Tyreek there line off the edge, and you can see Tyler coming towards him. He doesn't react and doesn't think like, oh, a tight end's coming across the formation. Maybe they're going to run him to the pylon. It just seemed really basic to to be able to read and react, and, and it just took way too long. And Tyreek right now is just not physically where he needs to be, I don't think. I know when we watch him, it just... He he doesn't seem to be what he was before his you know earlier in his career, and it just you know he just didn't make a play and Owens trailed the play and it was an easy touchdown and that was the game. Yeah, I mean it just seems like again, it just seems like for whatever reason this defense gets worn down in the fourth quarter, and in a close game, I I'm not trusting this defense to make a big play to to win the game, and you know it's tough to see because this defense rotates a ton of guys. And for I mean, guys, I don't know. Just seems like guys are out of shape. Guys can't sustain their energy throughout a whole game. I don't know how that can happen because yeah, you mentioned they rotate their guys. They rotate them quite a bit. I mean, more than what we've seen at UM in previous years. I don't know how how, how can you? Ha- I mean, David, how can you have a team that that looks tired and doesn't look to have the energy at the end of the game when you? When, I mean, what what were those other teams doing? You know, when they were playing right. all the time. I mean, yeah, that wasn't an issue before. I I don't understand. So there's definitely issues there because we've seen it in multiple instances this season, and it's definitely a cause of concern, and it's a cause of concern moving forward. So big picture wise, you know, Miami suffers their first loss um, of the season. Obviously, a huge game next week, Florida State, uh, you know, on the road. That's not going to be an easy game. I guess big picture, you know, everyone's talking about uh, expectations with Miami. What what should we expect for Miami? And we touched on this a little bit, but uh, not not necessarily for this team, Chris, but just in general. What do you feel like is fair for the fans to expect? expect for Miami uh in the ACC you know what what is good enough for for the UM fan base in your in your mind I mean good enough and like expectations right now with what we're seeing I mean to be honest this looks like a team that's going to battle for bowl contention you know it just looks like that's what their 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 goals will be that that looks like what the kind of a team it is it just looks like has the feel of a team that's gonna are they gonna make a bowl or are they not and 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 Miami fans aren't gonna and deservedly so. Again, I talk about it again, but they're not going to go for that. You know, we can't. You know that we, we've seen this in, in previous with previous head coaches. When the losses start coming, then it gets to a point where every loss be, isn't just a loss; it becomes exponentially, continues to grow. And, and and if you're if you're telling a Miami fan right now today that they're going to lose four or five more times, six more times this year, that that's not going that's going to be hard to handle. You know, yeah. just you, you, you know, for fans, that's just. I mean, every loss is just going to add up, and it and that just that. My the Canes and, and Al Gold and all that they're gonna have to they're gonna have to prove everyone wrong and and, and it, you know it's just gonna be tough to see how they're gonna be anything more than they've already shown. I think a lot of people that are talking now like okay what what is Miami now like what what can Miami be? Do you feel like it's hard for Miami to be a ten win team consistently year after year in the ACC like this, or do you feel like you know Al Gold is just extremely underachieving uh you know what what the ceiling is at miami now yeah i've said this before you know i, I think miami should be a 
a 10-win, consistent 10-win team every year. And again, that if you look at the numbers, look at the stats, what goes on around college football, that just doesn't happen all the time for every team. And, and that's, how, that, that's understandable. Things do happen where you don't. However, that should be the expectation. You should be, you know, what, four out of five years, you can't win 10. I mean, when we're looking at the ACC, it's not like they're yeah, – it's not it's the not. SEC. This isn't a stacked conference. It's not – you know, you see – right now you're looking at Florida State and Clemson. It feels like that every year. Virginia Tech has dropped off. You know, there's not ranked teams very often. Yeah, Duke pops up. Well, Duke is still Duke. You know, yeah, it's a good Duke team, but it's still Duke. You know, let's not – you know, yeah. Georgia Tech, you know, Georgia Tech still runs a gimmick offense. Let's not, you know, it's good for them and the, the results they get, but it shouldn't be a team that, you know, and we're talking, these are the better teams. What what about Virginia and Pitt that, that seem to do fine with Miami too? So I, I don't think it's out of the ordinary, and I don't think it's out of line to even say that Miami can't get back to that. I don't think, I don't believe yeah. when, you know, I know other, I've had conversations and disagreements with other media members saying, Miami will never be great again. They can't do it. You know, it's too hard now. College football, all this stuff, and all these things that that Miami has against them. You know, all all this stuff. And I just look at it like I flip it to the other side. There's so many positives that the Miami football program has uh, for the future, and and not just and not just you know. I mean, there's many things. The tradition, obviously, the history is still there. Okay, they're, they're still putting guys in the pros. They're, they're still there. Not, base. They're recruiting they're, base. I mean, that's the number one thing. Ridiculous. And, and, until this area dries up with talent. You're never going to feel like Miami's out of the picture, so it's not that it's not as hard as it looks in terms of the results that they're getting. That they seem to be, uh, it's just not working, and I don't see how you can say that it's going to work. And and at what point does it work? I mean, how 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 much time do you need? I mean, at some point, you know, yeah, we we might all know uh, all the intricacies of 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 an offense and defense and all these things, and there's there's complexities with football. But bottom line, everyone that watches a football game knows wins and losses. They know you know they know the scoreboard. So that that's what it all comes down to. And, and you're just not seeing results. And and it's again, it's year five of this, and it feels like it's the same stuff. Yeah, it's year five, and you know the common thread is you stack Miami's roster or starting twenty two against uh, you know these teams that they lose to. And you know Miami's off. Miami's starting twenty-two is more talented than what most of these ACC teams are bringing to the table. Yeah, I mean Miami's not on the level of Florida State or Clemson, but they should certainly be able to beat these other teams in the ACC. And that's where it's disappointing because it's really—I don't think it's asking much for Miami to be a consistent ten-win team in the ACC conference. Uh, and. and- or, or win the coastal, David. That seems yeah, to be sure. such a high goal, and they haven't even done that. You know, I, I, it just it blows my mind sometimes of where this program is. Yeah. So the, I mean, the my, I guess my point is, look, is the talent where it necessarily needs to be? No, but it's still better than what they're playing against. So when you factor that in, what do you point to? And you got to point to coaching. And so it's not working right now with what they're putting out there in terms of the coaching and the scheme. There's just a disconnect and you know, it's just a bad fit. So hopefully it changes soon and, and things can get back on track and Miami can be what, what Miami is supposed to be. The thing about where things are at right now at the program that makes it tough in the sense of, you know, where do you go from here without golden, you know, wh- where does he go in, in the sense of, so if they don't have the talent, if they don't have a talent, uh, to get where they need to be, uh, you know, 
are they going to win enough games to attract the recruits? You know, this is year five, or, or is it going to be, you know, well, we got to get the recruits to win more games? And they're kind of stuck in this middle, I think. And I know the recruiting class is, you know, it has a high ranking, but I think we, we can talk about this later, but with, with the class and how it actually ranks and what we actually see with the class. But, you know, I, I was just kind of stuck in this thing of, you know, he's got he's to gotta push through and, and essentially he's got to win with what he has. You know, this is, this is you have to win. And you, he's just, that's what has to happen this year. And, you know, and one thing I made a point and, and I've talked about this with other people, where, where, what examples have we seen where the fan base is so down and disappointed and, and the results aren't there with the losses piling up and a coach has been able to rise above that, you know, essentially take the plane and get it back going where it needs to go. You know, where have we seen that around college football when things yeah. look like they're going down, you know, pretty much what we've seen in college football, when things look like they're going down, it's, it just, it just keeps going down and then they make a change and then that's it. It's very hard to come up with examples of it looking bad and then it reverses and, and then things are fine and the fan base is happy again. You just, you don't see, you just don't see that very often. And, and for, uh, even if that were to happen, I just don't think this is a team. This isn't a team that's built to to do that. I don't think they're good enough to do that this season. No, I mean, a program with real expectations. It's very hard if things aren't going well for a coach to turn it around and, and kind of reverse that negative sentiment surrounding the team, surrounding the program. And you know, this is just another one of those cases. I think where it's like, okay, time to cut bait. You know time to cut loose because it's just not working and uh it's it's not going to get turned around anytime soon i think we see it's year five now but it's not like next year you can be like okay this is this is going to be on the right track next year it's still going to take multiple years and yeah i mean i just don't see how it gets turned around anytime quickly under this regime i think that's got to be the most disappointing thing when you look at it from a fan's perspective is well what does next year look like well First off, you can't keep saying next year, or I know Al Golden talks about the youth. You know, this is year five, Al. This is, you know, we've, I've talked about this. You know, 20 of his first 50 signees left within two years uh, of being here. Yeah. So, you know, when you're, when you're having that, then, you know, the upperclassmen, you know, we can talk about the uh, develop a program, but the upperclassmen, there's not enough of them, and then you're always young, and, and that's the thing. But yeah, the, you're right. This isn't a, it's not like there's a young core for the future where you can say, well, this is just going to get better with well, the thing, you know, like Brad Kaya, for example, is an example of a young guy, a perfect example of a young guy. That's, that's, you know, that you like as a piece for the future, but then you look at next year, he's a junior, you know, and, and uh, you know, whereas he, you know, he's, he's on the other side of getting done with his career rather than building towards, you know, keep progressing. So it's definitely an interesting thing. And in terms of, you know, what do they do? How, how does this thing get reversed? And, Again, it's just hard to see that it'll get reversed, and and I hope people are understanding that this isn't a reaction to Cincinnati loss. This is a reaction yeah. to twenty three and five, year, you know, four plus years. You know, this is what we're seeing with the program, and I think most people are seeing the same things. I don't think we're saying things that are completely new thoughts, so to speak. Yeah, it's just not working. That's the bottom line. It's a bad fit. It's not working. Um, so you know, hopefully, some changes are made. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, and. Uh, you know, Florida State next week, always a big game. But I think it's it's hard to say. Well, I mean, what, what what do fans expect there? You know, I think coming into the year expecting a loss. And, and now you're looking at it like if, if they're not ready to play, it could get ugly. And that just adds to everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, Miami this week is going to do their best to say, okay, now we're starting our ACC schedule. So 
we we still have yeah we lost to Cincinnati but we still have that goal of winning the coastal so I mean expect to hear that a lot next week um we'll see I mean hopefully hopefully it's a better performance against Florida State but you know I kind of expect to see more of the same to be honest yeah it's because of what we've seen in the past and whatnot so yeah, so yeah, next week we'll have a, with the podcast, we'll do a preview on the Florida State game. We're also going to do a, a sole, you know, just one podcast focused on recruiting. Um, we'll do a whole, show, a whole show there. We'll, we'll invite Nate Adelson, who's our recruiting guy. Um, so we'll have him on and, and talk about recruiting. Also this week, if you guys didn't get a chance, you know, listen to the podcast, our interview with Tracy Howard. Uh, we actually go 40 minutes with Tracy and we talk about a lot of stuff, you know, talk about, you know, him coming up as a youth football player, playing at Miramar. You know, some of the things, uh, some of the other things, you know, we even revisited the recruiting thing. I thought that was really interesting. So we talked yeah. 40 minutes with Tracy, had a great time, and we didn't even mention, you know, football or, or the, the season or defensive philosophies and all this stuff. So it, it's worth a listen, even if you're disappointed with what you're seeing with the with the team. But definitely check that out. And um, again, visit InsideTheU.com, at InsideTheU, and then email us at InsideTheUPodcast at gmail.com. David, it's good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.